music, athletics, arts, and entertainment. The Desert Tiger Podcast with Colton Geschwagner. Lately, it's been getting hard for me to go to sleep. Cause I feel like I don't belong anywhere at all. And when I close my eyes, I feel my demons running inside my head again. Will someone come around and save me? I've been crying out I've been crying out for help Can anybody hear me as I scream for help? Someone by my side And I'm starting to lose hope in life So help me before I fall of light Leads me down to Desert Tiger Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Desert Tiger Podcast. I am your host here as always, Colton G. And here for episode 22 of the DTP, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. We're going to be throwing a curveball. We're going to be changing it up a bit. Rather than doing our usual interview with a musician or an athlete or an artist or anyone of that sort, we're going to be sitting down and we're going to be talking about something that's very near and dear to my heart. 
we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about mental illness and what it is. We're going to talk about the symptoms of mental illness, what some of the different diseases are. We're going to talk about where you can get help. We're going to talk about the steps it takes to get help. We're going to talk about the bravery it takes to get that help. We're going to, we're going to cover a lot of topics today. So I hope you guys are prepared to ride along. So what exactly is mental illness? Well, mental illness is kind of an umbrella term. It refers to a wide range of different mental health conditions and disorders. These disorders can end up affecting your mood, your way of thinking, or your behaviors. Examples of different mental illnesses can include schizophrenia, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, and even addictive behaviors. There are a ton of people who suffer from different mental health concerns. It's estimated that one in five adults suffers from a different mental health illness. And it is also estimated that depression is going to be the number one diagnosed disease by the year 2020. So how do we break the stigma around something that is growing so exponentially? That is seemingly taking over more people as time goes on. We don't even know if this is an attribution of our growing knowledge of depression and mental illness, or if this is actually a rise in the amount of people who actually suffer from these things. Mental illness can make you miserable, and it can cause problems in your everyday life, whether it's at school, work, or in your relationships. In most cases, a lot of these symptoms can be managed, but taking the steps necessary to get there can be terrifying for somebody who is suffering from mental illness. I know this myself. So how do you know if you have a mental illness? Well, I'm going to list off some of the signs and symptoms. The signs and symptoms of mental illness vary quite a bit, depending on the disorder, circumstances, and other factors surrounding it. Like I said earlier, it can affect your emotions, your thoughts, and your behavior. So the examples and signs and symptoms of mental illness are feeling sad or down, confused thinking or reduced ability to concentrate, excessive fears or worries, or extreme feelings of guilt, extreme mood changes of highs and different lows, withdrawal from your friends and favorite activities, significant tiredness and low energy, or maybe even problem sleeping and insomnia, being detached from reality, having delusions, paranoia, or hallucinations, having the inability to cope with daily problems or stress, trouble understanding and relating to situations and to people, alcohol and drug abuse, major changes in your eating habits, sex drive changes, excessive anger, hostility, and violence, and even suicidal thinking are all different symptoms and signs of mental illness. And sometimes these signs get mistaken for physical problems, whether it be stomach pain, headaches, 
other unexplained aches and pains, or maybe just things you think are just going to go away. So how do you know when it's a mental illness or if it's just that? Something that's only plaguing you for a small period of time. Well, if it's something that's coming to you repeatedly or something that is coming to you in waves, then it's possible that the best thing to do is to go see a doctor. If you have any of these signs or symptoms and you believe you may have mental illness, starting with your primary care provider or mental health specialist is a great start. Most mental health illnesses don't improve on their own, and if untreated, a mental illness may get worse over time, and it can end up causing you serious problems. As someone who has had a doctor who actually told me that he didn't believe in one of the mental illnesses I suffer from, that being PTSD, he actually tried to believe me that I, or tell me that I had to man up past my experience, and he still put me on antidepressants anyway. So if you have a doctor that truly doesn't believe in what you're suffering from, or doesn't support you getting the help that you need, maybe it's time to get a second opinion or to change your doctor. Don't let your doctor's opinion completely make you out of fear of this. Don't make it make you shy away from possibly getting a different opinion or more help because some doctors just don't believe in certain medications, in certain illnesses, in all sorts of different things. So if you think is something is wrong with your head and you need a second opinion, do that as well. If you don't want to see the doctor, but maybe you're having some bad thoughts or you're suffering from mental illnesses, there's a ton of different hotlines and phone lines that you can possibly call in order to help with all of this. A lot of these thoughts are common and a lot of people can help. If you are crashing or you're in the middle of a crisis, calling 911 or your local emergency number immediately is probably the best situation that you can do. If you live in Canada, there's also a crisis services number at 1-833-456-456. 4566, or you can text 45645. You can also call your mental health specialist if you have one and you're going through a hard time. If you don't have one, the best way to do so is by going to your doctor and sharing your story with them. I know it can be embarrassing sometimes. I know it can be hard, especially in a society where we are built to think that we are tougher than everything that is set before us and that we believe that if we fail to conquer these things that we're worthless, that we are non-worthwhile. These are some of the things that you should reach out for. You can reach out to a close friend or a loved one. They can really help out as well. Or you can call different numbers. If you're under 18 or under age, you can call kids' health phone. The number for Kids Help Phone is 1-800-668-6868, and they'll help you find the means that you need. If you're an adult and in Canada, and you're not quite in a crisis situation, you can call the Canadian Mental Health Association. They have 330 different locations across Canada who are there to help you all the time, pretty much. If you need to call in and find out where your local where your closest location is, 
You can call 416-646-5557. Or if you live outside of Canada, there is a great way for you to find out what your emergency number is. There is Google to find this out, or if you can't find it, you can go to yourlifecounts.org. Yourlifecounts.org actually has a list of pretty much every province in Canada's specific mental health lines. They have the mental health lines of America, of the UK, of Japan, of a ton of different countries. So if you are not living in Canada and you're looking for a resource in which you can call, yourlifecounts.org is a great place for you to start. And I implore you to please do so. If you are a friend or a loved one who is being reached out to, or one of your loved ones shows signs of mental illness, the best way to go about this is to have an open and honest discussion with them about your concerns. They may be a little bit apprehensive, and you may not be able to force someone to get professional care, but you can offer them encouragement and you can let them know that you are there to support them 100% of the way if they decide that they need to do so. So what are some of the things that cause these different mental illnesses? There's so many of them and they're rising all the time. So what is possibly causing this? Well, there's a list of different factors and possible risks that could increase your risk of developing mental health problems. And I'm going to list them out for you. If you have a blood relative, such as a parent or sibling or a grandparent who has suffered from a mental illness, it may be a good idea to get checked because it unfortunately it passes through DNA. Stressful life situations, such as financial problems, a loved one's death, or a divorce in your family, can definitely increase your chances of developing mental health problems. Ongoing medical conditions, such as diabetes, can affect this. Having brain damage as a result of serious injury, or even having traumatic experiences, such as military combat or being assaulted, or if you're like me, getting hit by a 10,000 pound object falling at you and hitting you. The use of alcohol and recreational drugs, being abused or neglected as a child, having few friends or few healthy relationships, or a previous mental illness. All these are big factors in possibly developing a mental illness in the future. If you don't have a good personal circle of friends in which you can get the support that you need if you are having a problem, you need to find some support groups or something else in order to get help. Therapists and counselors are a great way as to finding out where these things are located and also finding out different coping mechanisms and we're going to cover coping mechanisms later on. So what are some of the complications that mental illness can lead to in your life if it's left untreated? It can lead to a lot of severe emotional, behavioral, and physical health problems. 
and it includes and is not limited to unhappiness and decreased enjoyment, family conflicts, relationship difficulties, social isolation, problems with tobacco, alcohol, and other drugs, missing work or school, or other problems related to other to those things such as not being able to concentrate, legal and financial problems, poverty and homelessness, self-harm and harm to others, including the thoughts of suicide or possibly even some homicide, having a weakened immune system so your body has a hard time resisting infections, which can also lead to digestive problems. And it can even lead to heart disease and other medical conditions. So, how do we prevent this? There's no way to prevent mental illness, but if you have one, taking the steps to control your stress and increase your resilience and boost your self-esteem may help you keep your symptoms under control. Ways to manage this are pay attention to warning signs and pay attention, like, work with your doctor and therapist to figure out what some of your triggers may be. You can't always know what they're going to be all the time, but if you can learn to pay attention to them and how to react to them in a proper way, you don't necessarily have to avoid them, and you can get around them. Get routine medical care. Don't neglect checkups and do not skip visits. Definitely do not stop taking your medications and just thinking that you are fine because most of these medications will cause withdrawal. If you've ever experienced withdrawal, I am someone who is an ex-alcoholic, so I'll give you a quick explanation of it. Withdrawal is when you are trying to recover from addiction. Your body has become so used to having something inside of it that it now thinks that it constantly needs it or else it will retaliate against you because it thinks that you are trying to kill it. So yes, do not just stop taking your antidepressants. Do not believe the people who tell you that dropping your antidepressants and going and living in nature is going to solve all of your problems. Unfortunately, there's a good chance you have a serotonin deficiency within your brain, and giving up everything isn't necessarily going to fix that. Yes, it's going to take away a lot of the stresses in your life, but it's not necessarily going to fix that. Get help when you need it. Mental health conditions can be harder to treat if you wait until symptoms get bad. Long-term maintenance and treatment can also prevent the relapse of symptoms. If you stop taking your drugs or you stop going to your doctor and you think you're fine, all it can take is a small event to pretty much push everything over the edge where you start to think that everything is going to start going wrong again. I know this because I speak from experience. And another thing that I have to speak from experience is take good care of yourself. Sufficient sleep, healthy eating, and regular physical activity are important. All these things help your brain release the chemicals that it needs to for you to mentally run the way that you should. Try to maintain a regular schedule if possible because that helps a lot and it's a good coping mechanism. 
Talk to a healthcare provider if you're having trouble sleeping or if you have any questions about diet or physical activity. There's a lot of sources about diets and different physical activities out there. You can join a gym and you don't even have to join the gym just to get jacked. You can join the gym just to go there and like lift weights for half an hour. They don't even have to be the heaviest weights there. You can just do supersets with small weight for big sets and you can just go in for half an hour you can just crank it out and it actually like makes you feel like you're making progress and it releases extra serotonin in your brain and makes you feel good. So things like physical activity or joining sports teams or walking your dog even like getting outside and walking your dog actually like can release serotonin if that's something that you enjoy. So finding things that you enjoy and pursuing them and doing them is definitely a good coping mechanism and I know that sometimes that's hard when you're depressed because you're losing interest in the things that you used to have interest in. And sometimes if that's the case then you have to find new experiences, new people, maybe travel to new places, do new things. Do new things to expand the horizon of who you are. and so that maybe you are not feeling as trapped as you once were. Another coping mechanism that I've received from a counselor that has helped me a lot is writing down a list of like what I can control and what I can't control. So you write your problem or whatever you're worried about or anxious about or whatever it is and you write that at the top of the piece of paper and you make two columns. On one column you put what's in your control and the other column you put what's not in your control. So in the column that you can control you put everything that you have influence over inside this situation. In the other column, obviously, everything that you literally cannot influence the outcome of or the fact that it's happening. So you learn through this what you do have control over. So sometimes, and a lot of people like me who have anxiety and depression, kind of bury themselves under the weight of everything and they continue to build all these problems and all these problems and it's it is like after they start piling on you start like you don't even start to consider how can I fix like some of this you start to think like man this is all like getting to be too much how am I going to handle this I'm getting buried in this pile of absolute stress anxiety pressure and I feel like I'm going to break but if you actually like make a list of everything that needs to be done or everything that's a problem and then you look at each and every single one of those and you look at what you can control and what you can't control, it allows you to look at everything and see just what your abilities are and it gives you power because once you know what's in your control and once you know that the other things literally cannot be influenced by anything you do no matter how hard you try then at least you know you tried your hardest on the things you can control and this does not just and this is not just advice that only has to apply to your mental illness it can apply to 
when you're dealing with other people and other situations in your life, but it is a great practice when you are having a panic attack or you think that everything is out of control and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Taking one side of a piece of paper and taking the next side of the piece of paper and working out what you can do helps so much. So I'm going to use one of my experiences with one of my mental illnesses. So we're going to talk a little bit about post-traumatic stress disorder. And one of the things that I suffer from with my post-traumatic stress disorder is flashbacks and nightmares. So... Thankfully, these are dissipating. The nightmares, uh, not quite as much, but the flashbacks are. And I used to let my flashbacks control me a lot. I used to wear really, really dark safety glasses at work so that people literally could not see me crying behind them. Um, I would hide in bathrooms. I would hide in corners while I was crying just because like something would happen that would trigger me and I would not be in a good spot. Um, when I finally found out like to like write this out, it was, it kind of took a lot of power away from the flashbacks because I found out right away that I can't control the flashbacks and the fact that they happen. I can't necessarily control what my triggers are. I can try and find out what my tr triggers are and I can try and control if I'm around them or not. And I can also control how I react after this happens. I can either try and hide and feel shameful and guilty for what is happening, or I can be open about it, explain to my coworkers that I'm not in a good place and explain to them why, and I can be open about it. And if you're in a good, productive environment, they should respect that. If you're not, then that's unfortunate, and hopefully you can get to a place where one day they appreciate you for the efforts you put forward and that they're willing to appreciate you, your mental illness, and the efforts it takes for you to do that. But knowing that I could only control like how I reacted to everything was it gave me a lot of power because that way I knew like I don't have to feel bad for this. I don't have to feel like a victim. I don't have to feel like something's wrong with me because this happened. It happened and that's okay. And once you actually like talk to some people about it, they usually know. And if they're the type of people that are willing to judge you about it and not understand it, they're not the type of people that you probably want to know. And that's just me being honest. You have to cut out the snakes out of your well. You have to take the poison out of your well. That's another thing that my counselor taught me was you have to cut out the people who are negative in your life and who are putting you in bad situations. So I lost a few friends along the way as well, but in reality, they never really tried reaching out to me throughout any of this process. So were they really my friends at all? And did they really actually care about my betterment and who I was as an individual? Other coping mechanisms that I have learned to use through my years of going to counselors, going in and out of doctor's offices, dealing with 
mental illnesses is using things like meditation. Some people meditation works very well for. You have to have the patience for it though. So if you do not have the time, like you have to work your way into it. Start with five minutes and build your way up to it. And if you're not someone who has the patience for it, find something like karate or tai chi or something that requires you to still use your body and still be active but allows you to open your mind and clear it and actually push out some of the negative energies that are affecting you. Reading is a very good coping mechanism as well. There's lots of great books out there that can help you with changing your mindset, with changing how you interpret things and changing everything else. It's it's a process and it takes a lot of time to take your mind out of the hole that you dig for yourself and to realize that there is actually hope and light at the end of the tunnel. There's a lot of other amazing coping mechanisms. Like I've said earlier, you can go to the gym, you can join a sports team, you can join a book club, you can get involved with different charity groups within your city, you can do all sorts of different things. There's all sorts of different passions that can get you active, that can engage your mind, and it can get you out of that hole that a lot of people get stuck in. So now that I've given you what mental illness is, what some of the symptoms are, how it can affect your life, what the causes are, what some coping mechanisms are, and all of that, I guess it's time for me to talk a little bit. So, the whole initiative of this whole Let's Talk movement is being comfortable enough to talk about your problems to help inspire other people to be comfortable enough to share theirs as well and to reach out and seek help. So, as someone who has constantly had issues, who constantly went off and on medications, who did not listen to his doctors, who did not do the things he was supposed to do along the way, who did not take care of his body, who basically did a lot of the wrong things. There's hope. Where you are right now is not where you have to end up. There's always the chance to climb. Like I said, accidents happen, sometimes you fall down. But it's how you pick yourself up from rock bottom that truly affects who you are. As you know, my name is Colton Geschwander. I'm 28 years old. Around the age of about 17 or 16, I guess I started to become an alcoholic. I would continue to increase my drinking levels, my antics, my drunk driving, my stupidity, and overall non-care of my body for about five or six years until I believe the age of 21, right before my 21st birthday. Um, I believe was the first time I ended up in the hospital from my drinking and from my digestive problems from my depression. 
Um, basically, by the time I got to the hospital, there was no reason to pump my stomach. So if that gives you an impression of where things were at, then I guess that's kind of where they were. Um, I drank for numerous reasons. We're not going to get too deep into all of them. I drank because I wanted acceptance. I drank because I had social anxiety and I didn't know it. I drank because I felt like nobody liked me unless I was drunk. I felt like I couldn't truly express myself unless I was drunk. I felt like I had to hold back. I felt like I was bullied when I was a kid. And when you're bullied, you kind of learn to try to not stand out. You kind of try and learn to just fade in and fit in with everything but it becomes even harder because the more you try it the more people try and point it out and you start to wonder if you can trust people or not like in my own experience like I did not like a lot of people that I went to school with when I was in grade school this is um when I was going to rural grade school not so much actual grade school I wasn't sure if any of the people actually liked me I wasn't the way that they approached me, the way that they handled me, the way that they interacted with me sort of made me feel like they were out to get me, that they were just constantly trying to find new ways to make fun of me, that I was just a pawn in their games for laughs. And I allowed them to affect my life in a lot of ways. I mean, I actually used to uh, really like the Harry Potter books. Uh, sometime in grade school or maybe it was the transition to high school I can't quite remember but right after the fifth Harry Potter book I stopped reading them and I stopped watching the movies because I didn't want to do anything that could possibly connect me to the image of what was Harry Potter because people used to call me that I just wanted to dissociate myself from it so much that I didn't know what else to do I allowed it to affect my life. It's I had a lot of headaches when I was a kid and the doctors attribute it to migraines and now looking back it's something that also could have been an effect of depression. I When I first went to counseling I uh, found out I just hadn't been depressed since I ha acquired PTSD. I hadn't just been depressed since I had to recover from alcoholism. I'd actually been depressed for well over 15 years now. I've been dealing with depression pretty much probably since about like grade 8 or grade 9, maybe even like before that, and I just never felt like I was accepted. I never felt like I was good enough for anybody. And that not only like relates to my school life, it also relates to my home life. Um, my parents always constantly wanted me to do better. And I don't blame them for wanting me to succeed. It's just the way that they went about it sometimes. And I was considered a problem child when I was growing up. So I was considered an issue. I was considered someone who didn't try. And I would actually find out that this was also probably because of depression as well. Um, when I went, ended up going to trade school, I ended up doing quite well because I actually cared about what I was learning and because I didn't have nearly as many distractions going on inside of my life. So I can almost attribute some of my 
problems as a student to depression when I was considered a problem student. I can consider some of it to the fact that I don't didn't have a good relationship with any of my parents. I didn't talk to my dad for five years during this time. I did not have a good relationship with my stepfather or my mother for the most part either. They suggested I go and join the military when I was 17 and I did not take to the idea very well. I understood their idea of it possibly setting me straight and being an opportunity for me to make money to invest in a house once I decided to get out of the military. but. I didn't believe in the war that was being fought, and I didn't think that I was capable of being a soldier. So we drew heads and we had a lot of problems, and this ended up leading to more issues as I would end up working with my mom and we would butt heads a lot, and this would just continue to lead to more problems than I had with my stepdad. I constantly wanted their approval. I would learn this once I actually went to counseling. I've developed something known as perfection anxiety. Um, I constantly try to do things as good as I possibly can so that I can try and get the appreciation of my peers, but at the same time, I know that a lot of people aren't going to appreciate what I do, so I just give up and... I stopped doing things because I've realized that a lot of the people that want you to impress them and want you to do things, normally once you do it, they just have a new task. There's always a new obstacle. There's always something else. And it's it is it's I got tired of trying to impress people. So I just stopped trying entirely. And this is something that would go on into my life. I Once I started working, my perfection anxiety would eventually kick in once I stopped drinking. But a lot of my other anxieties would continue. My perfection anxiety only really applied to my work life. I was kind of a slob. I actually, when I was an alcoholic, I allowed myself to become homeless at one point. I was living out of a storage unit and my truck until a friend let me crash on his parents' couch until I found a place to stay. I've lost multiple jobs due to my mental health, my instability, my antics. Um, I've always had a problem with taking things seriously because I don't like when things get serious um, a lot of the time, but that's something that I'm tackling a lot. I suffer from a lot of different anxieties, and I learned that a lot more once I stopped drinking. I realized that I had an anxiety, like I said, of being accepted. I had the anxiety of trying to be perfect, even though I didn't want anyone's appreciation because I didn't want to get bullied. I definitely had anxiety about women and all that sorts of stuff, but that's another thing entirely. I had anxiety about money because I grew up in not that great of a financial situation and I kind of became used to that and it became a theme throughout my life where I've never really been able to save money until certain times and periods and even then sometimes I'll crash and I'll end up spending most of that. It's 
a weakness I have, and I know that, and it's something that I'm working on. It's something that therapy and counseling has also allowed me to look at. I suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, like we discussed earlier. Um, PTSD not only makes me suffer flashbacks and nightmares, it causes me to avoid things even more and numb out more often than I did even when I was depressed. I lost interest in the few things that I still had interest in, that being video games, football, basketball, my friends, and pretty much mostly everything. Um, I started to sleep a lot. I didn't really accomplish anything besides working. Um, I became super... Uh, hyper aroused I guess the word would be I became super jumpy and very irritable I was not a pleasant person to deal with for a lot of that period in time because I did not want people to have to deal with me in case I broke down or in case I had a flashback I had the fear of having flashbacks in front of people um, there was a two-week period after I got PTSD where I thought I was living in a coma so that was very awesome because I didn't know if everything was real or not. Um, I have experienced a ton of negative thoughts, both through my depression and my PTSD. I have experienced a lot of shameful thoughts about myself. I have thought of myself as worthless. I have thought of myself as not being very useful to anybody. I guess that's the exact same thing. I allowed myself to believe that I was not a good student and continued to not concentrate. I had insomnia, like a lot of things. I felt shame because I didn't come from this as good of situations as I felt a lot of other people around me did even if that was true or not, and some of it turned out to be not for a lot of people. Even though I felt I was worse than everybody, I felt like I was shameful. I was helping put food on my parents' table when I was working at McDonald's, and I was seeing my friends spend their hard-earned money, and sometimes not even their hard-earned money, to party and do exciting things and travel and all this other stuff, and I was spending my summer vacation trying to earn as much money as I could at McDonald's and help out at the farm, and I felt a lot of shame because of that. It was, I didn't want people to know that that's what I was doing to get by. I didn't want that as and something that a lot of people also experience is feeling alone. Feeling alone is a terrible feeling, and it affects so many different people in so many different ways. Um, if you feel alone, please reach out for somebody for help. If you have absolutely nobody or you feel like you have nobody, then reach out to me. If you don't feel comfortable reaching out to the hotlines at first or reaching out to your doctor, you can contact me at desert.tiger.podcast at gmail.com. You can contact me on Twitter at Desert Tiger Pod. You can contact me on Facebook by Desert Tiger Entertainment. And you can contact me on Instagram at Desert Tiger Podcast. I'm available on all these platforms to talk to you and 
help discuss things for you and maybe give you a different perspective on things because it's all about perspective and seeing things through someone else's eyes in a way that you didn't anticipate them to see it can be really different and can really open things up for you. Um, I felt alone for a very long time because there is a very, very distinct small chance that anyone has experienced exactly what I experienced in my accident. There's not very many people who have been hit by 10,000 pounds of aluminum, plywood, and steel and were able to get back up afterwards. I was told that if I was one foot to the north, I probably would have got hit in the face and it probably would have killed me. If I would have been one foot to the south, there's no telling exactly what would have happened, but there's the possibility it would have crushed my legs and left me paralyzed from the waist down. So, something that scares the living crap out of me, I have to accept because it's also one of my greatest triumphs after I look at it. After I went to counseling and they actually had me learn these coping mechanisms and I was able to learn the things I can control. Because my counselor made me sit down and go through that accident and go through my memories of it and go through what I could control and what I couldn't control. And for so long, what seemed like something was destined to try and take me out for something that seemed like was constantly a big problem on my shoulders, suddenly became much less of a weight. I could not control the fact that the rigger was not properly trained to rig up the bigger size sky tables. It is not my fault that there was not proper lighting on the job site in order for the crane operator to possibly see that this was being hooked up at the wrong spot as well. There's the possibility that the crane operator himself did not know that it was hooked up in the wrong spot. I could not control that the chain hoist gave out. I could not control that the table fell down. I could not control where it fell exactly. I did have control as to where I was standing underneath this object, and maybe I shouldn't have been standing underneath it. And that's where I admit that I made a mistake during this process. I could not control where it hit me. I could not control that I was in the right place at the wrong time. I just got lucky. I can't control how the company I worked for handled that situation. I can't ha control what happened after that point. I can control how I reacted to everything that happened, and I am man enough to admit that I was not in the right mental state to handle those things in the right way. I lost some good friends, I lost some good jobs, and I've lost a lot of things along the way. But I've also gained a lot of experience. I've gained a lot of knowledge through hardships and tribulation and uh, 
I've gained some of the most amazing experiences and friends through all of this that I never would have had otherwise. Positivity is not going to solve everything. You can't fix your mental illness by wishing it away with positive thoughts. You can't just stop taking your medication and think it's over now. You can control how you react to situations. You can control the fact if you go to the doctor and you get on a good diet and you get the proper amount of sleep and you do the things necessary to you, you can take control of that. You can take control of knowing what you have power over and what you're capable of taking on. Understand that bad things happen to good people and bad people. Bad things happen to everybody and good things happen to everybody. Don't compare your situation to somebody else's because you never know what they would have done if they had the exact same choices that you had in your life. You don't know if they would have ended up in the exact same situation or if they would have done any better. So you can't understand that and please don't judge yourself against other people. I guess with all of this, the main hope was to spread a little bit of awareness of mental health. It was to show people where they could acquire the help that they need to. And I shared a little bit of my own story to kind of open it up a bit. And you can't really share all the information I just did in 280 characters. You can't do it in one single Snapchat. You can try and do it in an Instagram or a Facebook post, but that's going to be a lot of information. I hope that by sharing my story and sharing all this information that I can influence at least one person. One person to reach out to a hotline or to their doctors or to a friend and to tell them that, you know what, I think I need help. It takes a lot of bravery to take this step. It is a massive step that so many people think that they are un incapable of taking. But believe me, there is hope. There is a chance. You can turn things around. You can do right by yourself. All you need is the will to do so. It's easy to fall into ruts. It's easy to fall into bad situations. It's easy to fall into bad influences. But you don't have to let that influence your life forever. You can take control. You can take back your power and you can take back everything that you own. Life is a beautiful gift and it is incredibly underappreciated. 
when I was an alcoholic, I honestly was not sure if I planned on living past the age of 25. When I was pretty much 20, almost under 25 and almost lost my life before I was 25, I was scared shitless. It made me realize that maybe I needed to do more with who I was. That maybe I had to appreciate what I had. I just didn't know how to get there. And it took me a long time, a lot of going off of my medications, a lot of ending up in the doctor's office, completely crashing out, completely panicking, a lot of going to the hospital, a lot of reaching out for help to counselors, to doctors, to psychologists, to friends, to family members. Having a strong network can be your strongest ally in your battle against mental health. I hope I didn't yammer on too much, I hope I didn't get off track too much, and I hope, like I said, that I influenced somebody to reach out and actually try and make the difference to improve their life because all is not lost, all is not hopeless. You can make it back. I didn't think there was hope, but if me as a recovered alcoholic with post-traumatic stress disorder who has basically gone bankrupt at points in his life, who has had his gas shut off, who has had to heat his house with a stove, who has been homeless, who has had a lot of experiences. And if you want to discuss any of these with me in further, you can contact me if you want to. I'm just trying to say that there is the opportunity to do right by yourself. There is the opportunity to improve your life. And there is the opportunity to take back your mind. It takes time and it takes patience. But with some good help, you'll get there. I believe in you. I really, truly do. And if you need help, then let's talk. Hats off to your feet, everyone around me. Let's applaud this disaster spinning round me. Guitars will play, the house will shake. Even if this hurricane doesn't break, make it heard, make it loud if you wanna be proud. If you want the whole world to change right now, guitars will play, the house will shake. Even if this hurricane doesn't break, so let's make a change, let's do it right here now before in the end. We're all just asking how, but just don't let your reasons go. Don't let your reasons go, let's make a change, let's do it, make it right here now before in the end. We're all just asking how, but just don't let your reasons go, don't let your reasons go. Who can't 
see down their own street Guitars will play, the house will shake Even if this hurricane doesn't break Boats do sink, if the hole's right where you think Better make a change before we dry the ink Guitars will play, the house will shake even if this hurricane doesn't break So let's make a change, let's do it right here now Before in the end, we're all just asking how But just don't let your reasons go Don't let your reasons go Let's make a change, let's do it, make it right here now Before in the end, we're all just asking how But just don't let your reasons go don't let your reasons go, let's make a change, let's do it, make it right here now before in the end, we're all just asking how, but just don't let your reasons go. Don't let your reasons go, let's make a change, let's do it, make it right here now before in the end, we're all just asking how, but just don't let your reasons go. Don't let your reasons go. Subscribe, rate, and review. iTunes, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Thanks for listening.